What's shaking? Hey, I'm Rick Jordan. Today, we're going all in. All right, today, I'm so pumped because this is an organization that I support myself, the Unstoppable Foundation, and I have on with me today the CEO, who is also a best-selling author of two books, you know, Unstoppable and Unstoppable Women, which I especially want to talk with her about the second one, and an international speaker featured on the Oprah Winfrey Show, which is just badass to begin with, Cynthia Kersey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to see you. And thank you for all your great support. Oh, my pleasure. I, I'm so excited because when I found out really, as we know, through our mutual friend, David Melter, who's on the board, right? And he, mm -hmm. he introduced me to your entire foundation and some amazing people of your foundation. And I'm just really blown away by these enrichment centers in Kenya. Uh, could you tell me a lot about those? And then I want to dive into you personally, too, because, I mean, this is what got me excited to begin with, right? About Unstoppable. Yeah. Well, you're kind of jumping. I'm jumping <laughs> way ahead. This is what I do. Yeah. yeah, you're jumping way ahead because I think the bottom line is we're looking for how do you help commu vulnerable communities sustain themselves? So obviously, you have to provide access to education, clean water, healthcare, um, training for the parents to generate an income. So it's self-sustaining. And these enrichment centers really is that place where we focus on the parents. Um, because while the children are getting an education, the, the families have been left behind. And at the end of the day, if they, our goal is to work ourselves out of a job, right? So this, the enrichment centers provide um, you know, a VSLA, it's a village, a savings and loan teaches them how to generate an income, teaches them how to have an entrepreneurial mindset, all of the things that are necessary for them to be able to lift themselves out of poverty and, and make it a sustainable solution. Yeah. Would Kenya, cause it, they're only in Kenya right now, right? That's the, the country that you pretty much support 100% with the enrichment centers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and we're working in yeah. That's yes. awesome. Ironically, what I found out a while back was that in in the entrepreneurship category, this was for a period of about three months. This show you're on right now is actually number one in Kenya, which oh, is so wow. ironic to me. Yeah, it's a it's like that's awesome. We've got a and I I started when I met when I met David, and then also hearing about Un Unstoppable is like maybe there's something to that, right? Because these enrichment centers, and that's why there was this insane connection. You know, and like there's first, I couldn't believe it. Right. I'm like, there's entrepreneurs in Kenya, you know, cause I, I didn't know much about the country at the time, you know, except that I think and correct me if I'm wrong, it would be considered a third world country, correct. An impoverished yes, country. It's a developing country for sure. For sure. Right on. Mm -hmm. So when I heard about the unstoppable foundation and what you're doing with these enrichment centers, I'm like, I, I have to get involved, you know, and I'm hearing now from you, even something more that I didn't know with the with the enrichment centers, they support the parents, right? To, to yes. allow the families to, to be able to actually make a, a decent living and break out of that cycle. How did mm -hmm. you get involved in this to begin with? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, it, it really started with a challenge in my life, you know, kind of turning pain into a purpose. And I was writing my first book, um, you know, I, it finally got published, you know, I'm an unknown author. I mean, that's a whole other journey, right? Just getting a book published. Uh, but the book comes out 
a year and a half into the book, you know, I'm living my purpose, you know, helping people live unstoppable lives and my 20 year marriage ended. And I was devastated. It was more like an identity. I felt like I'd been married my whole life. And I talked to my um, mentor, Millard Fuller, who was the founder of Habitat for Humanity. And I told him what had happened. He was actually in my first book. And he said, when you have a great pain in your life, you need a greater purpose. Wow. And I had quit my job, cashed in my entire life savings to write my first book. Uh, but that wasn't bigger than my pain. And so as I started looking at it, he said, well, why don't you build a house for a family in need? And I thought, well, how many houses would I need to build to offset this pain in my life? Wow. And I'd never built one house before. I, a house was $2,000 in Nepal. Did I mention Nepal? We decided, it. yeah, I didn't mention that part. Um, but he had just gotten back from Nepal and it was just this most beautiful area, but also one of the most impoverished nations of the world. So he's like, why don't you build a house in Nepal? And that was $2,000. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe like five houses would be, that's five more than I'd ever done. And really checked in, it's like, no. you know. And then I thought 10 houses and then 50 houses. And it wasn't until I got to the number 100 houses that that felt bigger than my pain. So that year, Rick, while I'm speaking, you know, my eyes are so swollen from crying, I could barely open them, right? When I'm speaking at all these conferences, but I would think about these families that didn't have a simple, decent place to live. And that kept me going. And so that year I raised $200,000 just speaking at events um, and took 18 people to Nepal the following year. And we worked on the first three of the 100 homes that were subsequently built. And what happened was, I thought I was doing something great for them. You know, you're do, you know what I'm saying? And what I realized is that my life changed. I got a purpose again. I got new inspiration for my life. And what I hadn't counted on is I made more money that year selling a $14.95 book than I did at a corporate job. I'd sold a $30 million account, so I was making a very strong six-figure income. And that was the beginning of my curiosity around giving and receiving, you know, this mm. law of giving and receiving. That's, I swear, I mean, whether you're spiritual or not, right? Because that gets into a lot of like, you reap what you sow. And having a, a yeah. spiritual background myself, right? A lot of our listeners do and don't, you know, but... Clearly, I believe in God, you know, he's the, the number one source in my life. And there's this principle, though, I mean, outside of even spiritualism, religion, anything else, it's it just seems to happen, doesn't it? It does. Cynthia, is when when you focus on being able to provide the value first, that this just ends up coming up behind it to where your own needs are abundantly taken care of. It's not just slightly, right? It's mm -hmm. not just a little bit to where it's like you can skate by. And that's where I think that I, I you know, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about the church in general, but that I think that's where the church misses out is that overall of abundance. It's like, you know, it's not like you're just going to skate by, but because you're diving into giving and having that being your focus, that you gain abundance out of that. And then you can actually give even more out of the overflow of that abundance in your life. 
That's how it works. You know, it's like we've all been, I mean, maybe all of us, many of us have been raised with the scripture, give and it shall be given unto you. And it's like, it's not, it's like, and it doesn't matter if it's money, it could be time, it could be, um, you know, resources, but it doesn't say wait until you have more time, more love, more support. It's give and giving activates receiving. And I've learned this in, you know, through spiritual teachers. I mean, we've talked, I mean, for centuries, you know, they've talked about that Lao Tzu, you know, uh, I love his quote. He said, the wise man does not lay up his own treasures. The more he gives to others, the more he has for others. And one of my favorite teachers in this area is Thomas Troward. I don't know if you've read anything about him or from him. No, enlighten me, but he please. Wrote a book. He's fantastic. He wrote a book called Hidden Power and really talks about what are the secrets of prosperity. And he said, our attention should be directed on the giving rather than the receiving. We should look upon ourselves not as miser's chest to be kept locked up for our own benefit, but as centers of distribution. And the greater we fulfill our function as centers, the greater will be the corresponding inflow. So it's exactly what you said. We are simply centers of distribution. And when we look at how we're giving, um, I don't know if you've heard of Reverend Ike, but he has a mantra that I really love. And it's, and it's this, every dollar I circulate enriches me and returns to me multiplied. So whether I'm paying for someone to clean my house or cut my grass or a tax bill or whatever, we see ourselves as a center of distribution. And when you have that consciousness, you're blessed. It's like, oh, I'm so grateful I can help this person. I'm not always trying to get the cheapest price. You know, Bob Proctor was my mentor and dear friend for many, many years, 25 years. Well, that's phenomenal. And he said he never tried to get the cheapest, best deal. Like it was never about that. It was always about a win-win. And when you come from that place, you you feel richer, you feel more abundant, and it just it it allows us to circulate even more. Yeah. I know we got on a pretty emotional and, and like passion tangent there. I'm thinking back to your 100 houses, right? And you started telling the story on how you got there and you built the first three after speaking all over. And right. also what, what gripped me was that 100 houses, it took that many to get to the point to where it felt like you kind of squashed your pain. You know, what, yeah. what was that timeline from, from the yeah. first three to 100? It, well, it was one year that I raised the money. So I raised it in one year. And then I took a group of people over there and we helped build the first three of the 100 that were built the hmm. next year. So, you know, I feel like um, so many people go through challenges, right? It could be yeah. the death of a loved one. I mean, it could be an illness. I mean, there's so many things where you think, you know, it's your loss of identity or financial situation. And, and I love the concept of finding something that's bigger than your pain. Because it allows you to focus on creating something versus what was, you know, you're staying in the problem. And it was a big transition for me. And Rick, every time I would think about those families that didn't have a simple, decent place to live, it got mm. me off of thinking about myself. Yeah. Because I literally bought my own home that year. You know, I mean, I was fine. I may have been grieving but uh, my physical needs were met. And so many people don't even have their physical needs met. 
And thinking about that purpose, it enlivened me. It, it inspired me. And like I said, it gave me a purpose that really catapulted me to a whole different level um, and path in my life. That's incredible. So as I'm following you in the timeline, you built the first three, but then within the next year, it was the next 97 to make it to 100. That's right. They built That's it. That's amazing. So it's for humanity. Yeah. That's right. They, they built them. Yes. It's 100 homes in a year. That's absolutely incredible. I think even that's a testament. That's what really kind of gripped me was this timeline because I didn't think it would be like, oh, this took me 10 years. We were doing 10 homes a year. It's like, such, when people finally make that shift, right? And you, you had a purpose. You had almost like a, which is interesting right you had a trauma that was almost driving you a pain in your life oh yeah i think yeah. everybody in this world has a deep-rooted pain i agree yeah and that's uh, i mean i did right the death of my dad when i was 16 and that was a deep-rooted pain to help provide for a lot of other people in this world you know and it still continues to drive me even though i've dealt with the trauma and and i've dealt with the emotions behind that it still continues to drive me but mm -hmm. at this point, it just becomes you get stuck in this, and I say stuck in a good way in this scenario. Normally, you always talk about entrepreneurs, oh, you're stuck, that's bad, right? <laughs> no, this is like right. you're, you're stuck in that perpetual cycle of giving and receiving, and it, it just continues to amplify and become exponential and just e even yeah. emergent in a different area. So everyone that's listening, I want you to grasp on what Cynthia is saying right now, because that was only a year, right? Think about, and that was starting from scratch, Right? Nothing. And I, I'm a brand new author. I don't have a list. I didn't have, I didn't know people that had a lot of money, but I had a purpose that was bigger than my pain. And I started with that. It's like, start with where you are with what you have. And so I'm this new author. I'm speaking on stages and it wasn't like a big, huge ask. It was at the end. Um, I learned one thing from Mary Morrissey. She calls it a Fino invitation. Feel invited not obligated. Mm. So it was just sharing something at the end of my presentations. And if people felt inspired, I invited them to give. And what I found, and you know this for yourself, people are looking for ways to contribute. They want to make a difference. They want to know that what they're doing really matters. And if you give them a way to do that, people say yes. They just do. They absolutely do. And it's a, it's that ask too, right? Because a lot are afraid to even ask. And what I, I would have loved to see you like in your early years of speaking, <laughs> you know, to, but ju just because, uh, oh my gosh, it's like a, it's something that gives me su such fulfillment is when I see like a young speaker or, or, a, or a just blossoming speaker where it, it's their first couple of times. And all of a sudden it's like they have their first response, like tangible, mm. palpable response from the people that are in the room. And it's almost shocking, isn't it? I know, because I went through it too. It is. I hear you. And you know what's interesting, um, what I've learned? Because in the beginning, I really thought um, it was like about me, right? Like I was, I was, oh no, I, it was kind of like I was not taking, but like I'm asking for something. Yeah. And the big shift for me, Rick, was I now understanding, understand when I invite people to give, I'm giving them the opportunity to change their life. And the Unstoppable Foundation is simply a vehicle to do that. And I mean that sincerely. So I never get attached to, you know, I feel like I'm an ambassador of giving. So give to us, you know, give to somebody else, but give. If you want your life to be blessed, 
There is no better way to live than living as the law of circulation, right? A center of distribution. And when you live like that, you have amazing friends. People have said, how do you attract all of these great people? They're all givers. Yeah. They're all, I can't outgive my friends, you know, Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey, <laughs> they were some of my best friends and I couldn't outgive them. I've tried, but it's just, that's where they come from. And, and when you, when you start adopting that way of living, you attract people um, that are just like that. And it's a beautiful way to live. I love this because you're hitting on something that I had going through my head is you're, you know, how you're obviously giving is one of your passions, but you're giving the mm -hmm. opportunity for others. And what's cool about this is that you're also a conduit as you're talking like the unstoppable foundation really is that vehicle in your exact words. And in order to become, I've learned this lesson too, in order to become an even bigger giver, like an even greater giver to, to have that amplify in your life, you actually have to become a greater receiver. That's right. Because absolutely it, the resources that you have to be able to give have come from somewhere someone something else and you have to be able like you're saying saying hey you want to jump on this crazy train with me i've got a vehicle but i need your help i am asking you for help i am putting myself in the humble position of receiving so that you can also That's have right. the opportunity to give that's brilliant and it is really important and it took me a while to realize that to be a good, good giver, you have to receive. And it's like, it's just, it's like, I'm a center of distribution. Again, going back, back to I that. Love it. I'm giving, I'm receiving, I'm able to give more, I'm able to receive more. And if you stop the receiving, oh no, I'm not worthy. You can't, you know, all of that stuff. It's like, it's, it, it stops the flow. So you have, I mean, I've received many, many things in my life and it's very humbling. And I always graciously receive. That's what Bob says. You generously yeah. give, graciously receive. And it's that energetic, right? It just keeps it coming. And the more I get, the more I can give. And it's just the <laughs> the most amazing way to live. That's awesome. You know what else is amazing is that organically our conversation i mean from your pr team that sent over like the questions and everything it's like we covered these already yeah, just go. naturally and organic <laughs> in the conversation i know right <laughs> so now <laughs> i want to ask you about yeah. your your uh, second book that i see unstoppable women and I'm mm -hmm. going to preface it with this because uh, like my, like the, the podcast, it's great, right? It's, it's top 2% in the world, which I'm grateful for. I told you it was number one in Kenya for a while. You know, I love what I do on the personal brand side. I have a business called reach out technology. That's a cybersecurity company. That's that's in the process of going public and it's a very male dominated industry. And I try to intentionally place more women in it. Right, because it, and it's just something that I've always felt is that, and a lot of our even level one help desk technicians, right, are eighty percent female. You know, and I, I just love the the ability for women to be able to lift up, uh, really, where men are not, right. And this isn't anything about masculinity or whatever, because I think toxic masculinity is a stupid phrase in our society because men have to be masculine, right, in order to have that that balance back and forth with everything. But your book, Unstoppable Women. Please tell me what that is about. Well, I just focused. So the first book was, you know, stories of perseverance and triumph from people just like you. So it's people who had a goal, a dream, and overcame all of these obstacles to achieve that that dream. And I personally think those kinds of stories are more inspiring because it's all about the overcoming. And what I've learned is to be an unstoppable person or woman, which we'll talk about in a sec second, 
is it's like you have this dream and you're not willing to let somebody else, your circumstance or yourself stop you from doing something that's important. And every time you take a step forward, you create an unstoppable moment. And to live an unstoppable life, to be an unstoppable woman or man, is creating a series of these moments. So I wrote Unstoppable Women because the first book was like, how do you find your purpose? How do you find like the seven qualities of an unstoppable person? But then I did this unstoppable challenge. It's like, okay, now I know I want to write a book. How do I do that? And I broke it down into, you know, basic every single day. What is that action step you're going to take every day? And the reason that I did women, um, it's funny, you know, I, I wrote my first book 25 years ago. Oh, wow. And 25 years ago, I had to really look for stories about women. It was mostly about men. And then I wrote Unstoppable Women in 2005. So that's about a little more than uh, 20 little less than 20 years ago. Uh, but there were more stories around women. And what I can say about women is that women need the encouragement. I'm, I'm not saying men don't either, but women need the encouragement. And when you look at what women do in the world, when you go to Kenya, Rick, and you see these strong, I went to this conference. That's what got me interested in Kenya. And I went, I was invited to this conference in rural Kenya. And the only thing that I knew about it was that women were coming to share their stories. And for some reason, I thought I need to be there. And yeah. I go over there and there are women who, you know, like they are looking for solutions and we have never had the, the terror of how do I find the next meal for my child? And I'm not going to eat. How many days can I go without food before, you know, uh, we're, we're out of food for the kids as well. So when it's like, how do you, you know, their children would get malaria and die from malaria from the price of a cup of coffee could help solve it and treat it. And it's like, you know, and, and, and again, it's like they are the strongest women I've ever seen. What it takes to live and to take care of your family is, is like so much more challenging than anything that I've ever experienced. And what I found is when you support women, women, especially in developing countries, support 80%. When they make money, almost 80% of that goes back to the family. Wow. When men make money, very small percentage, and it's across the board. It's not a stereotype. So when you're helping women lift themselves up, you're helping entire families. Intriguing. Uh, your stat yes. there is very interesting to me because I'm, I'm grasping on this. And as you're, as you're saying it, the thought goes through my head. It's like women's income, is it still typically considered supplemental in most families? Well, <laughs> you know, when you look at in Kenya, I don't think in the U.S. that's the case because I yeah. think, too, you know, women, you've got to have two incomes. Oh, sure. But when you go to developing countries, you know, in the beginning, when we go into these communities and we're doing the five pillars, right? Education, yeah. clean water, healthcare, nutritious food, and training for the parents. In the beginning, we're totally focused on the women. And because the men kind of poo-poo the whole idea, and then they start seeing their women rise up hmm. and they're earning money. I mean, we have these a village savings and low where women have saved money. You know, they bought, it started like buying shoes for their kids or very basic things. Now they're like saving money. They bought their son a motorbike or they bought 
a home that they could rent out. I mean, I was hearing things I never heard before. And these are very uh, developed groups of yeah. women in very vulnerable populations that have figured it out. Like they put money in a pool, people, you know, loan money, they borrow money and then they pay it back and they are supporting each other to create a better life for themselves wow. and their families. That's incredible. You know, I, I can see what you're saying, how it differs very much in the U S versus developing countries as far yes. as that goes. Right. And nowadays, I mean, we know in the U S is that most families, at least in the middle class are dual income households, you know, just because it oh, has yeah. to be right. That's uh, it's kind of where things are at, especially in today's economy with the, where things are. <laughs> it's uh, I hope that changes very, very soon, but th that's interesting because it, let's, let's go back to unstoppable foundation and finish it off there because I want people to know how they can get involved. I'm a big supporter. I mean, even the events that we're looking at doing with our dinners, we're, we're featuring Unstoppable as a benefactor. Thank you. You know, it's just exciting to me. And I want everyone to know how to get involved. Just grab everybody's hearts here well, as we wrap you. up. All right. Well, thank you. So, you know, I went to that women's conference and I learned, you know, that women, for example, learned about all of these challenges that they were experiencing. And at first I felt such empathy. And then I just got pissed off. It's like, how is it okay that just by virtue of where you're born, women are dealing with these, our yeah. children are dying, the girls are fetching water, the girls are staying home, they can't get an education. It's like this cycle of poverty continues. And so what I, I, you know, I, when I was leaving, they kind of joined me, we were dancing. I literally fell in love. I fell in love. I felt like I was in heaven and that nothing mm. was missing. And as we were leaving, they started chanting. And I said to the interpreter, what are they saying? And she said, they're saying, please don't forget us. Yeah. And I thought, who am I? Like, this problem is bigger than me. It's been going on for longer than I've been on this planet. What can I do? So I decided to do one thing. I was turning 50. And I, I, I thought, I'm going to turn my birthday into a fundraiser. And Bob Proctor was there and Debbie Ford and, you know, uh, all sorts of people. And we came together at a restaurant, kind of like what you're doing your, with your events. And I literally invited them to give. We raised $80,000 and that helped fund two schools in Kenya. Wow. And that pe people were thanking me for the opportunity to give. And that was the beginning. Then I thought, what can I do that's meaningful? And I started to do research and I, and I learned that well-intended organizations are building schools in developing countries and in Kenya. And in five years, they're empty. And I'm looking at why are they empty? And it's like, they're empty because if you're not providing clean water, little girls aren't in school, they're fetching water. If you don't provide access to nutritious food, kids are sick, they're hungry, they're malnourished, they can't concentrate. If you don't provide access to healthcare, kids get sick. Again, they're not in school. And if you don't provide a way for parents to generate an income, it will never be sustainable. So I thought, great. Not only do we you know, need to build a school, but we've got to do all these other four things. So I found a partner in Kenya. We came together. We created a model called Sponsor a Village. And over the last 15 years, we're impacting over a half a million men, women, and children. Mm -hmm. They're getting the tools to lift themselves out of poverty forever. So it's literally, I was just in the Maasai Mara two weeks ago. 
We are in 17 communities who have completely transitioned on their own. They don't need help from outside anymore. And that's part of that income pillar, right? That's the part of what we're providing so that parents can continue to support their kids to stay in school. And so what keeps me up at night and why I continue to speak is while we impacted nearly a half a million, over half a million people, there's still thousands and thousands and thousands of children that are waiting. Yeah. And they're waiting to go to school. And while they're waiting for, you know, nutritious food and access to healthcare, children die. So it's like we've got a provable model. All we need is to find people like you who want to give, who want to make a difference, and they can see the results. So that's what we do. I that's you know, like I talked about helping take the next community off the waiting list or building these um, enrichment centers, which is what you're a part of. We're helping create a sustainable solution so they never need charity again. Wow. I'm blown away. Where can everyone join up to join this fight with you, to give, to have the opportunity to be along this ride with you? Thank you. Well, they can go to unstoppablefoundation.org and they can learn more about it. Um, you know, they can certainly um, email me, Cynthia, at unstoppablefoundation.org. Um, you know, people like you, you have events. There's so many ways that you can help and you don't have to do it yourself. Like I wasn't like a multimillionaire, but I use my voice. I use my platform and I've raised, you know, millions and millions of dollars. So everybody can do something. And if we all, you know, when you think about there's 56 million children around, around the world that still don't have access to an education, it is a solvable problem if enough people come together and do just a little bit. So I would invite them, you know, go to unstoppablefoundation.org. A dollar a day supports an entire family, a child and a family for an entire year with all five pillars. Um, certainly you can invite them to come to your events, um, you know, email me. But I feel like as you look to how can I give, everybody has something to give that is meaningful. And as you give, I love this scripture. I love it. It's like, as I give, the promise is, um, see if I will not open up the heavens, the gates of heaven and pour upon you such a blessing, you cannot even contain it. That's the promise when we give. Our life changes and the lives we touch change. It's incredible. It's not even just a spiritual law, it's a natural law. Cynthia. It's a natural law. That's right. From pain to purpose. I absolutely love it. You're amazing. Thank you for coming on, sharing your heart with everybody. And even more so, thanks for going all in. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you too. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I so appreciate you and your voice and your staff. My pleasure. 